Welcome to 353rd. I'm Anders Brownworth. I am Scott Barstow. What's going on, Scott? I hear there's big, big news in the uh, in the SOPA world today. There is. It's uh, breaking, breaking news, actually. As we record, not five yes. minutes ago. So not what went down? Minutes. Tell me. I actually, I haven't even looked at this. I haven't even seen it yet. Well, let's set the uh, let's set the stage a bit. So the Stop Online Piracy Act was, uh, as probably everybody listening to this show. Uh, is aware was uh, coming up for a vote uh, this US. week, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> and the the premise of the, or it's one of the principles of this particular act was that it gave the U.S. government the permission to shut down websites uh, for piracy. Nice. Um, so, and it was, and it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just you know me blatantly you know, ripping someone off, it was even if I posted a video that had copyrighted material um, or I posted that on Facebook, they could conceivably shut Facebook down because I posted copyrighted material on Facebook. It was very, so the principles of protecting copyright obviously are a good one, but the bill was uh, so much of an overreach in terms of the, what it, the power that it gave. Um, to the U.S. government. So, as you know, there was a there was a blackout this Wednesday where a number of the internet's largest sites went dark, uh, including Wikipedia, Reddit. Um, I can't remember. Uh, I know Tumblr had a uh, had a uh, essentially a blackout. Google blacked out their logo on their uh, on their search page. And anyway, there was a huge effort to bring awareness to the fact that um, to hold a web property liable for its users' use of content is completely... It's counter, you know, it's like counter-internet, you know? Yeah, it's, it is exactly that. It is, it is uh, you know, so if I can be sued because you posted a, you know, a YouTube video of you too, yeah. uh, you know, singing Sunday, Bloody Sunday, I mean, that's just absurd. There's no way to police that. Yeah, well, there were, and, so, but there aren't ways to see, that's the thing. I mean, it's so easy to hop into a coffee shop with their free open Wi-Fi and upload something that, you know, basically prosecutors or, or more realistically copyright content holders are scrambling for a way to prosecute people that upload the content. So, and they can't, it's an easy target to get at the yep. YouTubes of the world, but yeah, far harder to get to, yeah, like, uh, you know, rogue street hacker, <laughs> Uh, exactly. You know, 101 or whatever. Yeah. So the thing about it is, is that I don't, you know, most anybody that you would talk to is, you know, all for protecting the intellectual property rights of content creators, whether that's a piece of software or music or a movie, whatever it is. If you're in, if you're in business where you're creating intellectual property, you want that kind of protection. Sure. I think the, the issue was not you know, should it exist, the issue was, at least in this case, was that it was far overreaching, much like if you remember back in the, uh, the days when uh, Napster came online and, uh, you know, everybody went berserk because you could share music freely and yeah. all this other stuff. So the recording industry, you know, the RIAA decides, okay, well, uh, we know that this is going on, so we're going to go after... You know, if we find out that you know Anders has a music server sitting in sitting in his uh, house that's got yep. music on it, we're going to show up with the police at Anders' door and we're going to throw Anders in jail. Yep, sure. And instead of just 
you know, making sure, you know, taking, so uh, anyway, the RIA got fairly draconian and, you know, putting people in, you know, ringing people up for having, you know, three songs that were pirated or something like that. And, and so basically the sponsors of this bill, uh, which was primarily the Motion Picture Association of America, headed by former uh, Senator Chris Dodd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting, as I was thinking about it this week, I wonder which side of the uh, of the issue Chris Dodd would have been on when he was in the Senate. Um, I'm sure he would have been staunchly in the camp of uh, of you know the internet when he was but it, it just goes to show you that it's really just about who's stroking the check for a lot of these guys yeah mm-hmm. um so he was obviously just a parrot um has a lot of influence in washington and was able to get lawmakers to get create this bill that's just horrid anyway so you have yeah. this blackout on wednesday where um the the entire internet is aware and is urging everybody to call, you know, call their senators, call their congressmen about it. And according to all reports, it was an unprecedented onslaught of (laughs) phone calls, emails, and attention brought to Washington. And what's great is just as we were coming on the air, I got a note, I got a note that um, the bill has, is no longer going to come up for a vote. Interesting. So basically struck down forever. Well, I mean, you can always – they can yeah. always find a way to bring it back up, and I'm sure they'll try to, or they'll include pieces of it in other yeah. legislation. They'll, I'm sure they'll try to be coy. See, um, well, here's the thing. Here's my deal with this. So, so it's easy, I would say, to argue that this, is, this was a far-reaching, uh, you know, an overreaching uh, bill and something that really flew in the face of – uh, the way people see the architecture of the internet in, in, in the sense that the uh, YouTubes of the world uh, are not the ones that you prosecute when somebody push, puts up a, a video. But my, um, my thing with this is maybe a little different from most. I'm, I'm wanting the, the technology industry or, or us, you know, creative people or or people that are with it with the internet and we understand and, and this is this is part of our lives and, and this is how we do things to come up with a better solution for this because clearly there is an IP problem and sort of like old world fighting new world and yep. you know it's it's you know it goes to these crazy degrees but there still is a problem. And and one I always look at the music industry because in a sense They've gone through this. They pretty much realize that you're you can play whack a mole and kind of hit people for you know distributing stuff and uh, you know in some sense there'll probably always be a strategy there. But really, the right thing to do, and they did some really interesting things, fighting the internet on on internet terms, like for example, seeding bad copies of uh, music onto Napster back in the day to make Napster overall less and less useful. I mean, that, yep. that's fighting on the, the correct playing field, I would argue. Now, going on, uh, you know, it seems that there still was a business there, and Apple came swooping, a computer company, came yep. swooping in and basically drags them kicking and screaming to the money tree and shows them how to do things. And suddenly, right. you know, now the music industry is stable again. I mean, it looks very different, but it's stable again, and you can make money yes. in the music industry. And I see the same thing kind of thing happening with the film industry with movies but except for the fact that they still haven't bought in yet en masse 
No, and know, we talked about that on yeah, our last show that it was so annoying. They, yeah, they need somebody to come along and show them that look, you don't need to make money the way you're used to making money. There's still money to be made, but you right. need to think about the problem differently. Right. You can't you can't think about it by trying to control the distribution. No. You have to think about it from uh, uh, other angles. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the, the reality is, is that there's no DRM. There's none of that that you can put in place that somebody can't crack. Sure. Right. And, and so yeah. it's not, and it's not, it's not the right way to to approach it. Most people, eighty percent of people, will buy something if it's easy to get to. And uh, most people do not want to pirate music. They don't. They're willing to pay, you know, the five bucks to rent a movie, or, you know, or yeah. they'll pay Netflix ten dollars a month to stream movies. So most sure. people are willing to pay for content. And uh, and I think what what struck me about all of this is that it doesn't make sense to me in some ways that you know video producers or even music producers sort of recoil at the idea of sh- people sharing their their content. Yeah. Uh, because if you think about it, the more people that see, let's take a, you know, let's take a song, the more people that listen to a song um, and like it, there's, there's that much wider of an audience that's going to show up for that musician's show. Now, yeah. I, I grant you that he didn't make the money on every time the song was, every time somebody listened to the song or, you know, got it from their buddy, I grant you that he didn't make the money there. Yeah. Uh, but as, as you just said, there's no way to police that. Sure. I mean, it's just, I just don't see a way that they'll ever be able to stay ahead of people that are interested in stealing. Yeah. Because those people have their own agenda and they do it for their own reasons. And, you know, and it's just, that's just the way it is. That's the world. It's like trying to prevent shoplifting. Yeah. You know, people will steal because they want to steal. Yeah. And, uh, but it's like they, uh, they don't seem to, so you, anyway, so you lose the money on that, you know, so I didn't pay you 99 cents to listen to your song, but I ended up loving your music. I, um, you know, I listen to it on Spotify now and, oh, by the way, I see you're coming to, you know, you've got a show in my hometown. So now I'm going to go see you. Yeah. And now I'm paying you 50 bucks to come and see your show yeah, instead of five for your album. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. so anyway, it, it's much more like to me, it's sort of like we're going back to the days before recorded music or recorded content even existed. It's like the only way to see Beethoven yeah. was to show up, you know, to have a ticket to a concert, go to the symphony hall. Yeah. And then it's interesting to look at the way the, uh, the landscape was structured back in the day. It really mattered who who you were performing the music, not who wrote the music. So there wasn't a you know it didn't really didn't really matter that it was Beethoven. It was you know he just wrote out all the music. What mattered and where the money was was in the performance. Yes. And then and when that changed with uh, the Sousa and all, I don't know if you remember that story. Yep. Uh, how how that whole thing changed and kind of flipped upside down when suddenly you could record this and replay the recordings and initially there are draconian like okay playing a recording is a public performance and they were trying to make it legally be the same thing and all this nonsense but the answer to it was to suddenly value the written music on a page for the first time right uh, which was right. which was innovative at the time and now that's standard and we're almost going we're going to have to flip that back around again strangely 
Um, here's here's the other wrinkle. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. If you look at somebody like, um, and we talked about this last week a little bit, but a band like a Coldplay or somebody like that is probably yeah. they're one of the few that are making music on, or making money off of just selling their music, you know, through whatever channel. But even Coldplay. And if you look at ticket prices in general, it's obvious that musicians are, they have to make up their money by performing live. Yeah. The people that are making a living, making music or making, yeah, making music are the ones that are doing it live. Yeah. And they're Mm -hmm. out, I I, I would venture to say that bands are touring more now. Yeah. Um, You know, it's the process for getting from, from getting to, uh, you know, album to album and getting back out on the road. I bet that window is probably half of what it was 10 Uh years ago. Yeah, that's probably Um, true. Yeah. I mean, you see Coldplay's got, it feels like they've got an album coming out every year and a half. Yeah. Um, and the biggest bands 20 years ago, that would have been uh, every couple of years at the most. Yeah, that would have been a, just a lunatic pace, a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, no question about that. It was, so here's the thing then. Does the paradigm flip so far that artists start paying movie companies to have their songs in the movie? And yeah, do I, artists I, just I, give their albums away for free? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's if you look at it like advertising. Yeah, that's, which is you know yeah. people are skipping advertising and they're and and they're going straight to having their stuff show up in line in a you know in a TV show or whatever you yeah. know brand awareness within the show. Yeah. Um, so I you know I'm holding a can of Coke, uh, and that's how Coke's advertising. I think musicians, you know, it'd be cool if you're watching a show and there's a you know there's a song playing and you get a little pop up in the screen that says this song is xyz yeah you know and so you can buy it here yeah i mean you can do that with shazam and just listen to it but i think there's going to be more of that kind of thing where yeah um yeah that's very interesting how we're going back to the old days and what the the big thing that's changed here is rather than there being a constraint on channels to the uh to the consumer or channels to the the you know people using the product there is no longer that constraint so now it's wide open so you have as many channels to the consumer as you want so that that resource yes. not being scarce anymore suddenly makes us flip back to the way it was before you know technology as we know it when you would go to the philharmonic and listen to music and that's the only way you could hear some music uh, you know, it, it just flips it right back. We're going right back to, uh, you know, Walter Conkright, uh, Cronkite having this hour of the show brought to you by Colgate with a yeah, little totally. toothpaste thing right on his desk there. Yeah. You know, that whole kind of just flipping right back yeah. to that. It's very interesting. Yeah, anyway. and I, but I think, it's, I think it's healthy. I think that uh, it's forcing um, what they – what this week showed that – so I was encouraged by a couple of things this week. One is – that um, if there is enough outcry, yeah, that you actually still can affect change, which is and, which is unbelievable given uh, the recent extreme push of money behind uh, special interest and yep. Uh, yep. all of these the, everything but the the people of the country uh, telling their government what they would like. Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and, and even when you did. It seemed to have absolutely no effect because yeah. they knew 
that, you know, oh, I'm going to get reelected anyway. And I think it was what was clear by this particular thing this week with um, is that I think the elected officials got legitimately scared by the fact mm. that, uh, you know, if I vote for this thing, there's enough people paying attention that I'm probably going down yeah. in the next election. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think it's it's really, I mean... I got to read a, about this a little yeah, more. Yeah, this affected... You know? This yeah, this affected enough people, and yeah. enough people got upset about it that it was it had that kind of impact. And I feel so it was really that part was really encouraging to me. Yeah, um, got to tell you, block out Wikipedia, and and that's a that's a mass market thing because it is it is uncanny uh, the the reach that Wikipedia has. So I imagine that was a a major driver right there. Okay, they yeah, did absolutely. Reddit and a couple others, and and Google like blacked out their logo, but. Wikipedia made it so you couldn't read the articles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and English I think site. it was—it's something like that that people are like, "Wow." Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty. I, these are services I, you know, but, I just sort of use every day. And what if it wasn't there? What if you know, what if what if Google got sued and had to take you know Gmail offline for a day because of X Y Z? I mean, it's just yeah. the the implications of that are huge, and yeah, they are. almost yeah. as important. If not more important, is the startup, you know, being able to be sued out of business just because one of their one users, of their users posted right. content. I mean, it's, yeah. so if you're a startup, you're six months in, things yeah. are going great, and all of a sudden, you you know, the music, you know, some motion picture idiot shows up at your door and says, "Oh, by the way, one of your users shared a scene from, you know, Remember the Titans." Yeah, and uh, you owe us six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, so it's just crazy. Yeah, so here's the other thing with that. Um, thinking about uh, copyright when, when I was young, you know, I, copyright was, you know, you copyrighted an entire song, an entire movie, whatever. It, you know, that was basically it. But in, certainly in the last 10 years, there has been, uh, you know, for the most part, obviously, it was happening before then. But there's been a, a huge uh, stride towards remixing. Like people remixing bits and pieces of songs and movies yep. and TV yep. shows, you know, popular content, broadly under popular content, remixing them in very clever ways. You know, you got the, 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 the Hitler scene where you, they redub the uh, uh, subtitles. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hitler is there screaming about whatever, you know, being outflanked or whatever the problem was. And then, um, right, you know, the, you're reading the subtitles and some other very clever, you know, thing that was just thrown together. And obviously the last day that speaks about some current topic that's, you know, on top of everybody's mind, right? That day. I mean, they're, they're brilliant stuff and there is quality content there. And it always brings to mind that as a creative person, you, you know, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal that what you're doing is you're sitting on the, the shoulders of everybody before you. You're not like yeah, creating absolutely. from scratch. Yeah. So, you know, even the even the great writers, even the great musicians, they all, you know, whether it was Beethoven learning from Mozart's, you know, work or whatever, there's always flavors of things from days past in everybody's work. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we talked, I, this was a while ago, but uh, the site everythingisaremix.info uh, has a great four-part video series about this topic that you're talking about. Yeah. And um, it just goes to show you that there are, it's not really about being, uh, you know, having a 
truly unique idea. It's really about applying it in a truly unique way. Yeah. And that's it's sort of a subtle distinction, but um, well, it's 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 adding like it's adding to the uh, you know the, you're you're pushing the bar just that much further. You're making a step forward. I mean, you can argue that the step isn't forward, but uh, to argue that uh, you know anybody making music today doesn't have very strong influences would be just crazy. But we all accept it. I mean, you you know that. Uh, you know, whatever musician you're listening to has a long list of influencers and some that, that were profound influencers in yeah, their, absolutely. their music. So, so you know that that happens, you gladly accept it. So, so, okay. So those, those things aren't directly there, but what happens when clips are directly there, like sampling in, in rap or something, right? Those, yep. It is the exact sound. It may be, you know, repeated a number of times or, or changed in order or whatever it is, but it's the exact sound. And then, you know, okay, we're, we're kind of cool with that. It makes sort of makes sense, you know? And then now you get, you know, video as well, movies and, and all of this to at some point reaches a place where you're like, I just saw a uh, video that was posted on YouTube, which was basically pulp fiction, but done in chronological order. And it was very interesting because, you know, it was just all the scenes were rearranged so that they were in the order that the story was supposed to. And it really does make a lot more sense when you watch it that way. But that, I think, I mean, it's the whole movie. There's not a frame of the movie missing. Right. The only thing that's been done has been taken out of order. And, and you know, you could argue the same thing for ripping Jar Jar Banks out of the first, uh, you know, the Phantom Menace movie or whatever the first uh, Star Wars yeah. movie is. Yeah. It's same deal. So, you know, at some point, that's too close. Like, y- you can argue that the millions of dollars spent on the production of that were not being recouped. And you can see that there's something somewhat of a problem there. But then the problem you could argue is in the way that the compensation happens. And like if there were some kind of a structure that everybody that uh, added to a film were, you know, had a way to get a micro payment from every derivation of their work or something like that, maybe that's a way to handle it or something. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at uh, so who is who's solving this problem well? At least on the music side, and even in the even in the video side, you've got companies like Spotify, uh-huh. where they're legally allowing you to use the music, and the artist is getting you know fractions of a penny every time the song is played, or what? I don't know what the economics of it are. Yeah. Um, same thing with Netflix. I'm sure that the you know everybody gets a little uh, a little bit of money every time I watch something on Netflix. Yeah. And. It just seems like that is that's a you know those services are thinking about solving this problem the right way because in some ways if it's the problem of course is with Netflix in particular not so much in music but in Netflix is that so much of the content is not allowed you know the big studios are not allowing the great content onto Netflix yeah um, and so I think if they would pull their heads out of their rears and yeah. just say look you know it. 50, you know, 500 people watching this and us getting a dollar each time is the same as one person paying $500. It's like, that's just, you get so much more, you know, then you get people talking about the movie and there's, yeah. So, but from their stand, their standpoint, they're in protection mode. They're trying to protect the, 
the old, you know, remember when you used to buy DVDs? They're like they're like twenty twenty five bucks for a DVD. Yep. You know, kind of that's the that's the bottom of where the popular content is. It can be more than that, thirty bucks. You know, whatever. So so, you know, you can't come from a mentality where that's the bar. And look at somebody watching the film and maybe compensating you a dollar. You know, that's a big jump. I mean, you, it's a huge leap of faith that we're asking them to take here. So my, my well, thing Well, I guess the, the alternative is that they don't get anything, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. So, so, so then if the, I have, if you buy the DVD and rip it and give it to me, yeah, then you haven't made anything. The, you know, the, the content well, producer hasn't made anything on my, I guess he's made the 20 you bucks on your me, purchase. Well, right. If you sold it to me for 20 bucks, you, you essentially made 10 from you and 10 from me. I mean, you know, no, that's crazy. Right. It is though incumbent upon us as the, you know, the, the, the creative technology people to create for them a solution like Apple did with iTunes for, for music yes. uh, to create the solution that, uh, that answers it. And I mean, I'm not saying you and I, I'm probably talking about a big company like right. Apple, but yep. uh, somebody's got to demonstrate how this whole thing works and whoever does is going to walk in and steal the show. And, and you know, there are many contenders at this point, Absolutely. but uh, you know, it, you will, you will know when it has happened when you can get everything on Netflix and everything on Hulu and everything yep. on anything. That's yeah, when that's you'll, when know, you'll know that they've decided. And it's not, oh, well, I'll distribute this through Hulu only because I've got some right. special deal with them. Right. It's, you know, I really, I, it really is beneficial to me it to have it. It matters more to have my content out there and have in as yes. many channels as possible because that's what I would do. Like, like I always think of Louis C.K. He, he did a little project. I know it cost him like, $350,000 or something like this to shoot this thing. And then he made this big MP4 file and he sold it for five bucks a shot through PayPal yes. yep. and made a lot of money. Now, okay, maybe that's not going to happen for everybody who makes a, does a $350,000 production, but it does, I mean, there was no DRM. It was, you know, freely available from, from some, you know, not freely. It, it was available from a source that can be accessed from anything. Yep. I mean, I could get that on my Apple TV. I could get it on my computer, my, you know, iPad. It doesn't matter, right? Yep. So it plays everywhere. So that's the kind of thing. Like, I mean, that's a that's a infancy step, but it, you have to applaud it. I mean, you oh, look, I agree. That was a, I remember reading it. It happened like three or four weeks ago, right? It was, yeah, uh, yeah, or it was back like in the, it was yeah. late last year that he released that. And mm -hmm. it was all over the place because he had done it DRM free and was only charging a small amount. Yeah. And it was just sort of, I think it's a shot. Uh, it's a look into how it's going to look. First of all, yeah. the artist had direct control of the of the distribution. Uh -huh. It was completely his deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he produced it and then released it on his own. Didn't have you know there was no studio involved. There's no none of that. It was yeah, just he paid the production company. He, he, pay, he paid it paid all. These guys. And here's the thing: when when this is very interesting, when the thing did much better than he expected, he started to turn some of that money over to the crew. To say, hey, this was a this was a big, you know, he took all the risk, and then he started to share the reward, which I would I don't think it would go that way in reality. Uh, you know, there's still going to be those bottom of the line people and those top line people that uh, you know some people get a salary and some people you know risk it, and you know if they win, they win big. Um, but it, it's very interesting to see that you know he's really he was really watching the numbers on this. 
and watching it all kind of play out. I think it's a microcosm of how it may end up. But I mean, you know, arguably the same exact thing has to happen in education. The same exact thing has to happen like in all the different uh, uh, genres, you know, conferences, everything. There's got to be, you know, kind of a different way of thinking about the the compensation structures and all of these things. So, Interesting. Really interesting stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, till uh, I think we're out of time. So till next time. Absolutely. We are back on our regular schedule. Thanks, everybody, for listening and for posting comments on iTunes. It's great to read uh, that people are listening and, and getting something out of the show. Adios.